this week, this term, we're very fortunate to have Dennis and Alan Paul. G'day, g'day. So uh, how did TLC find you or did you find TLC? Oh, okay. Um, I suppose, well, I suppose, uh, yeah, we got directed to TLC by uh, Sonia Savage who studied here. He's a friend of ours and uh, basically we had just um, both been, uh, we were in a bit of a low at the time because our PhDs didn't quite pan out. So, uh, and those were in philosophy. And uh, so uh, she directed us to the Learning Connection and we sort of reignited our interest in, you know, art and illustration. So. Excellent. And you, you said you're studying, you're doing PhDs. Um, yeah, what yeah. happened was that, um, yeah, we were basically, um, we were studying at Victoria University um, doing um, PhD. So mine was on the evolution of, of human cognition and uh, Dennis's was on um, the evolution of, I suppose, ethical sort of, uh, ethical psychology, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but with my PhD, uh, someone actually published a book which had the exact same idea as my thesis in it. But of course, he got there before me, basically. Mm. And um, so I didn't know how to change my thesis um, sufficiently to um, continue on with it. So it crashed and burned with the, the PhD. Yeah. Um, the only sort of comfort I got with it was that I was told that apparently there's about an 80% fail rate for, in terms of not completion, completing for PhDs anyway. So that was the, but that's not really much comfort. That wasn't much comfort. Yeah. Um, we, I suppose I decided um, to reignite my interest in art, which had basically got killed off at secondary school because when I was doing it, we were told that in order to get the top marks, you had to copy, no, you had to, sorry, show, in your portfolio, you had to show basically the historical change in art from representational to abstract. Art, art to abstract, which had happened in the 20th century, and you were supposed to show that in your portfolio. Yeah. And I didn't want to abstract anything because yeah. I felt that my representational stuff wasn't good enough. At, you know, hadn't mastered it. It's something you don't master at school mm. anyway. But they felt that that's what was shown creativity. It was a very rigid thing yeah. based on marking criteria. Yeah. A very a very linear concept of creativity, mm. where you can only be creative if you abstract, which is not true. But it's the way they were. Marking it and put a lot of people off actually. So, so you were into art, then it yeah. veered off one way, yeah. and then it's come back. back. Yeah. yeah, and I, I always wanted to do commercial um, art anyway, in many ways. Um, I always wanted to do illustration and that sort of thing. But um, uh, at school, the, the, the teacher, really nice guy, but he wasn't very good at teaching the more sort of design aspects of art at all, you know. Um, so we never really got a good handle on how design works. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I kind of um, only came back to that when I, I heard um, you know that, that they had Ian Watt here, and um, sort of uh, when I went to foundation and uh, we went to on Thursdays at, at the time he had his visual literacy class, and I went to that and I was like ah. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So, you know, Excellent. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it can feel like you're taste testing. You know, just what yeah. works, who you connect with. Yeah. And yeah. you found that connection, and then tell us about time at TLC after that. Okay. okay. Um, um, you, I'll go first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, 
Well, basically what happened was that um, I, I didn't really actually go into the foundation with a taste testing because I'd already heard about Ian actually before I went to TLC. And I had a look at the website before thinking about enrolling at TLC and, and sort of saw some of his talk about himself and some of the work that students had done in this class. And so that was actually immediately where I wanted to go anyway. So I kind of, foundation, I didn't really care too much about all the taste tests because I already knew what I wanted to do. Sure. Um. Yeah, well, I, I guess I wasn't quite as um, clear as Alan was. I mean, uh, in the end, yeah, illustration was the way I wanted to go. But uh, um, I was also, well, how can I put it? Um, yeah, sort of wanting to just explore a little bit as well because I hadn't done lots of drawing in ages so I was a bit rusty, you know, so it was a bit like a warm-up period as well, um, going through foundation. And, uh, anyway, it was, we had to do foundation because uh, all the other um, art schools and design schools say, yeah, show us your portfolio of your work. Of course, we didn't have any at the time because we hadn't been doing any art for ages, so yeah, had <laughs> to do foundation anyway. Yeah, it was a good experience. Yeah, it was. Good, good group of people in the foundation. Yeah, I find that's yeah. a big part of it. You know, the, the people you continue through with yeah. during your time here. Yeah. Then yeah. you got to end a certificate and you were like, um, is there a crossroads? Or um, no, no, no. We knew exactly once we finished the certificate, we knew we were going to go into stage one. Basically, we just went straight yeah. into stage one. And the idea was to, um, I suppose, sort of specialise, basically, yeah. in, in the sort of illustration and design. Yeah, and I, I did animation as well, because yeah. um, that's just where I wanted to go. So th there were no crossroads. There was no sort of, well, I'm not really sure what to specialise in. I, I'd already made up my mind. Um, uh, basically, because I mean, for example, in the visual literacy class, for example, you had to do, you had to work to a specific brief, but then try and explain that brief to other people. Um, which I thought were very useful skills that especially, I mean, we're now working as commercial illustrators, you have to do that all the time. A client will come to you and say, this is what we want, and you have to try and produce what they want. But at the same time, if what they want is actually the impossible, you have to tell them that, but you've got to tell them in a clear manner that they understand. Yeah. And so that, that whole framework that Ian had in his classes really prepared you for that kind of thinking. You know, it's not not like uh, fine art where you're, you're relatively freer to do what you want to express from within yourself, but you have to then hope that someone will like it and buy it. Mm. Um, and, you know, because I wanted to do the commercial illustration, you know, I wanted to learn those skills, you know, sort of making, uh, starting off of, with rough pieces to show to the client, saying these are the different ideas, which one do you like? And Ian basically made sure that you, you did all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, I, I suppose I approach it from a more practical mindset. Yeah. 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 How do you know yeah. what you're doing was working at the time while you're learning? Um, mainly because I trusted Ian's um, judgment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that's basically how. Well, yeah. people yeah. around you or yeah. exhibitions did you ever participate in? Um, well, I suppose that the main exhibition that I participated on was the first illustration exhibition um, uh, he had held one previously back in Erskine and he'd obviously been held in, holding those for quite some years but the first one that I got involved in um, was the 2010 one 
And uh, I knew that it was working because that's actually where we actually made our first contact. Um, yeah. the, the educational publishing world, Matt Comiskey from South Pacific Press, he basically saw my stuff on the wall and, and uh, he really liked what, he's, what he saw, you know, sort of it met his needs basically because he actually, at the time he was looking for someone to illustrate a basically a, about a 27 page educational comic book and he needed a particular style and he wanted yeah. it sort of, sort of realistic but not hyper realistic and some of the pictures that I've done met that um, and uh, so, you know, and then basically um, because it was a, a huge project, you know, I said, you know, well, I've got my brother, to yeah. brother Dennis as well, and he liked Dennis's work as well. Yeah. So. And so, um, basically. Do you work singularly or do you work combined? How do you, oh. how do you incredibly... Okay, so what happens is usually we sort of work out a division of labour between us. So in general, I was doing the backgrounds and Alan was doing the figures. And, uh, you know, there w there'd be obviously cases where there maybe have to be some overlap, like you know, deadline considerations or or things like that. But on the whole, we were just sort of making sure we each had a sort of, I guess, a area of responsibility and stuck to that. So it's just um, yeah, just communication. Someone got images flicking on the back here. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it relate to some of these things? So okay. Well, that's a that's one I did by yeah. myself. So um, we'd have to wait for another <laughs> one to come up. Oh no, that's all. This is just by themselves. We can sort of get out of the slideshow. Ah, okay. Um, for example, um, well, th th those are spot illustrations. So they, what a spot illustration is for people who don't know is that it's only just a, a character or something that usually then someone else will place somewhere on somewhere yeah. on a on a page. Yeah. Uh, so those are for Dairy and Zed. Um, what happened is that we, the division of labour here was that. The farmer character and the um, director I designed, but Dennis designed the boom operator and the camera woman. And um, basically, um, but on this one, for example... Well, you did the... I did the yeah. line art and you did the colouring on that, yeah. if I remember. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that's, that's how some of those things worked. So sometimes, yeah. depending... Um, uh, yeah. Dennis, it's like in a comic book industry, someone is a, say a penciler and then an inker and then a colourer, but in this case, Dennis yeah. just did all the line art and I just coloured it. Yeah. It makes it quicker. Okay. And also to make sure there is a more consistent look, you know, yeah. because there are differences in our styles, okay, you know, and so the, um, <laughs> okay, yeah, because there are differences between people's styles, if we, if we both tried to do line art, there would occasionally you know, differences will crop up and it can break the flow, particularly for someone who's reading a comic or something. They sort of, you know, say, oh, oh. Yeah, so, so. Yeah, you want a consistent style. So we, yeah. we would decide early on, depending on the kind of the, the piece, who's, yeah. which one of our two styles we would um, we th we'd think that the meet best meets the client's needs. Yeah. And so that style would become the primary style and then the other person would try and fit their style towards that style, yeah. that's basically how it worked. Yeah. I mean, so, um, concept-wise, we both more or less do e equal amounts of work, because it doesn't matter, we're just giving the ideas to the client, and, you know, but once we get onto finished pieces, we make sure there's a clear distinction. Is it, is it solely commercial pieces you do, or do you do your own personal works? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah some personal, personal works on there. Once you 
Um, but uh, most of the pieces are done the commercial, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, that, that, that's sort of personal in one sense, but actually it was... Well, that, yeah, that, that, that one actually was me trying to get to grips with vector graphics. So vector graphics are quite a bit different from other things. They're basically just shapes. So that was using a program called Illustrator, and I actually did that because at one point, it was last year, I actually um, gave a weekend course here on uh, vector graphics. And I just wanted to make sure that I was up to speed with it so that when people asked me, how do you do that, I knew. You could say, <laughs> so yes, that, I know how to do it. Yeah. So that was actually sort of, sort of a personal piece because I like cars, but sort of a, um, I suppose, preparation as well. Well, was that something, like, what was that like in terms of, so you know, you've gained this knowledge over a period of time and then you had the opportunity to share it? Yeah, basically, that, that was the idea. I mean, I wanted to actually do a digital painting class, but as far as I'm still aware, I don't know. At that time, there was the only computer room only had one graphics tablet, mm. which means you, you, you can't teach a class on mm. digital painting because you need a graphics tablet. I mean, if you try it with a mouse, it's well, practically it's impossible. Well, no, it's, possible, it. it's possible, but it's very, very difficult. I mean, anyone, you know, you all use pencils and paintbrushes, and you know how nice it is to do wrist work as well as elbow work. Mm -hmm. And with a mouse you can only do elbow work. Mm -hmm. You can't yeah. flick with your wrist on anything. So you can't so you Oh, oh excellent. Oh, excellent. Brilliant. <laughs> maybe maybe you can oh, off, try and six, offer a digital painting course. Yeah, do you yeah. guys hand draw? Was it only computer work or Oh we do both. I mean sometimes um, when I'm just wanting to sketch ideas down, sometimes I find it easier just to have a pad and to just draw it out. But sometimes I find it easier on computer. I mean, it, they're kind of too blurring for me. It doesn't matter anymore. Sure. They're just, they just um, media. Yeah, you, know, uh, you don't need to do one or the other. There's no, I don't think there's any sacred sort of rules or anything there. I mean, the only reason you might, you know, you know in terms of like uh, collectors, collectors obviously are always wanting to go for traditional because they're the unique, you know, one-off which you'll never get with digital art because you can print as many as you like. You can promise mm. I'll only print 10, you know, and then you can sign them and stuff, but it's, it's not the same. But that's the only difference, really, mm. I think. Yeah. No, yeah, I, 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 most of the painting I've done has actually been for my mother, sort of like for Christmas or my birthdays and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and yeah, I really enjoy paint. Oh yeah, yeah. Does it come from hand drawn? Was it hand draw, cap, hand captured yeah. stuff first that led to the computers? Yes, it, yeah. it was. I mean, when when I was in, um, when I was growing up, computers were you could draw on them, but they were quite primitive compared to now. So I did everything, drawing and, and stuff like that. Um, especially I worked with pen and ink and pencil and colour pencil. Yeah. Um, didn't use actually that much paint because back then, um, I, I don't know. I sort well, of at school they always have it where you've got that crappy, crappy cartridge paper and crappy paints where the paint slips and slides everywhere. So you never really get, at school anyway, we never really got to grips with paint mm -hmm. because they never bothered to give, give us the proper material, you know, stretched canvas and stuff. No, mm -hmm. they didn't bother. So, you, you know, it was only Actually, it's only until we got here at TLC that I started to learn how to start to get a proper <laughs> taste for paint. And yeah. of course, even then, in the in the very opening stages, you're still using your cartridge paper and paint on the 
but uh, yeah. yeah but it's mostly most of my work has come from line, yeah. mainly from um, pencils. So, yeah. What's your earliest memories of art or creativity or drawing or anything? Uh, I suppose when I was a little kid and yeah. uh, just uh, wanting to draw um, little dinosaurs and, and yeah. uh, things like that. I was fascinated by dinosaurs and, yeah. and spaceships yeah. and. And stuff like that. Yeah, so, pretty much the same. And just that was just drawing with felt tip pens mm. on computer yeah. print paper. That's my earliest memories. Actually, my earliest memory is of a whiteboard. Well, we had a whiteboard. Yeah. yeah. And drew on the whiteboard, and then rubbed it off and drew again. <laughs> yeah. Are you trying? Yeah. Yeah. So. So. yeah. I'm always fascinated where art and creativity sort of begins in your own life, and if there's any of those themes ever continue on. I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, well, they have pretty much. I've always liked, I suppose, science fiction yeah, and yeah. fantasy stuff. So, I mean, that's the sort of stuff I'd li I still like to do in my spare time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, that, that, I suppose that's always carried on throughout my entire life. You know, I, I like, I like drawing people as well. I haven't done enough of that actually recently, um, mainly because I, st I wanted to try and improve my skills as landscapes. I, I, I was, at one point, I was drawing very flat um, when I was, um, uh, yeah, so my perspective skills at one point were quite poor. Mm. So I've been mm. doing a lot of landscapes to try and build up my perspective skills. Yeah. But I uh, need to get back into doing people as well. But it's all those yeah. aspects and build your repertoire. Yeah. And then capture what you, what you do. Yeah. It's yeah. great to hear that you've found it not only an outlet, but a way of sustaining. Mm. Mm. Does it, does yeah. it, is it ongoing? Is it, does it stop and start? It's always it stops and starts. I mean, uh, at the moment we've got, um, uh, yeah, we've got a client coming to us with some uh, backgrounds they'd like us to draw, draw up for an animation they're doing. Um, but yeah, they're always, it always comes in clumps. So we tend to have uh, very busy periods and then it goes quiet because people are in the process of getting the stuff ready for print or distribution and of course are waiting for the, uh, the sales and then they make their next project and then we get work again so it's sort of, yeah, unless, unless we go and manage to get into uh, something like I guess uh, daily newspapers or something then maybe we'd be able to get more constant sure. work but at the moment our stuff has actually been I guess books and and the like, and of course they always have a yeah busy period and a quiet period. Yeah, yeah. you've heard that akin to the film industry. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, no yeah. people who work in those industries and things seem to sort of come and go. So you'll be working sixty hours a week and then yeah, yeah. Right back, so. exactly yeah. the same thing in, in the illustration we've been doing. So mm. there the, the periods where you'll get sixteen-hour days, you yeah. know, and you're, you're trying to do everything, and then the, the project stops, and then you've got to try and fish for new work and yeah. sometimes you hear back from people, sometimes you don't. How do you guys keep yourself going in between? Um, basically just work on portfolio works yeah. um, because one, one thing if you want to get anyone to notice you, you, you have to have the, the right portfolio for the right client. So You have to tailor it, yeah. I mean there's no point for example if, if someone's wanting to you to do background work you have to have a portfolio filled with background. So if you spent all your time drawing cute cartoon characters or something, mm. it's irrelevant. 
yeah. know, and likewise, if you're doing a concept design portfolio, it's got to show, it's not just nice finished pieces, you've got to show your conceptual working out and yes, hey, so these are, This is a character and these are different versions of the character. Yeah. These are their little props they're wearing yeah. on their belts or their jackets. Or yeah. And they've got to often be in quite boring, once you're into actually designing the um, outfits, they've got to be in quite boring stances so yeah. that's for clarity. You know, so you don't have them all in dynamic poses. Hence, sort of, yeah. I suppose. Well, those well, that, ones, that's, that's, not, that's not actually not concept. concept. We don't have any oh, of our okay. concept stuff up. But, I mean, um, yeah. I mean that, that one there, there are no dynamic poses, mainly because the picture doesn't call for dynamic poses as such. It's sort of so that was part of the book that you were doing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. This is, that was part of um, a book on uh, Einstein that we're doing. So this one is illustrating a particular... Um, thing where that was the claiming that uh, prior to Einstein people thought that time passed the same all the time no matter where you were in the universe and then post Einstein we realized that depending on where you are time passes differently so if you're up in the atmosphere for example you're traveling faster time passes at a different rate if you're orbiting the earth than when you're sitting when you're standing down onto it and so, and then, um, and it's then the second one saying this, this difference in how the time works is actually how our satellite GPS system works. It works on, on those time differences. So this is illustrating a bunch of text for that. Um, and we don't, don't actually have the text boxes on there because of course those yeah. text boxes were um, put on by a, a different outfit. Yeah, but we actually had to, when we were doing all of these pages, we actually had to work out how the text would fit on the page because we had to make sure the illustrations wouldn't get, you know, sort of obscured or cut off or give the, um, I guess, the uh, uh, graphic designer nightmares of how do I put this text on? They so send you the text when, before you Yeah, yeah, they always do. And uh, if the, so all of the clients we've worked for have um, been pretty good at giving clear communication right at the beginning. So. If you're wanting to do illustration, one of the things you have to ask your client to provide is not only do they have to provide the text, but they've got to give you the image dimensions. Because if they don't give you the image sizes, then you could draw something which is too small or too large and, you know, sort of features get cut off which shouldn't do and so forth. So, you know, because it's up to the... Unless, of course, they're asking you to do some graphic design as well, which is page layout, um, which usually as an illustrator you don't do. They've got to work out this text goes here on the page and this image goes here. Yeah. So is that the general page size and you leave the boxes in? Or is that if it was in the classroom, say? Yeah. Or do you just make the boxes and lay out? What usually happens ideally is they give you just the dimensions, say like uh, 300 uh, millimetres wide by 200 millimetres high. Yeah. And what usually we do is we give them an image that's sort of um, a little bit larger than that but with the same proportion. So to say like, uh, I suppose you can give them something double the size but it's the same proportion so it's 600 by 400 so they can shrink it down. Because in illustration you're always wanting to reduce an image, not expand it, because when you expand it, of course, you start to, things get blurry or pixelated, yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. So, so, to answer your question about the, the comic book one, 
there, they just gave us the general size of the piece of paper that they were using. Yeah. And, and they just said, uh, say, 10 millimetres of border, what they call the, uh, the bleed or the guttering. And that, that's, um, you can't go beyond that point. Anything there could potentially be cut off, for example. Yeah. Um, and then they may, they may give a safe zone as well. And then yeah. within that safe zone is where you can then design your panels. Sure. Yeah. So um, if, you, if you look at any comic book, or if you want to make your own, you know, submit to something, um, you, you'll have to decide, you have to find out what their bleed is. Yeah. 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 So that you, you can yeah. then, and from there you usually, well with us, because we were doing it for other people, we had to give them little thumbnails of how we're having the boxes and, and what pictures were in what. Yeah. And they could then say, I like that one, but I don't like that one. But if you're doing your own, you do it however you want. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Is it email or do you show up the works? Oh, it's email usually. Yeah. Well, unless they, I mean, for those ones, we, because the publisher is actually in Wellington, we just went in and yeah. just um, showed them. Yeah. Yeah. Are they using a YIP suite or is it a process where you've got to work it out? It, depends, to find it depends on the image. So some images bang straight away, they're happy with it, you don't have to do anything. Other images. Yeah, they'll come back with extra feedback that like they might say, can you shift this person over here a bit or, you know, can you change the colour a little bit? And you sort of, yeah, you know, and usually, of course, I mean, most of the time you say, of course. You know, there's only, there's only if they start giving feedback, like uh, one client gave actually one that was uh, basically impossible. It was a perspective shot they wanted where the person was on their hands and knees and they could see their hands there but they were also looking up at the same time. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, you, you I mean, couldn't do it. You know, certainly not with they wanted basically realistically presented stuff. So no cubism here, which it would be the only way to try and do, do something like that. But so then you have to say no, sorry, that's what you're asking. Actually, cannot be done. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because yeah. the technical policies that come from all your work, you know, it's very striking. You know, like the lighting on here, and is this? Something that's just been learnt over time? Yeah, or? yeah well actually yeah. Mark Hill and Ian came in very handy there, but Mark Hill in particular, because he, he, he comes from a stage painting background, mm. and so he knows a lot about light. Yeah. And um, so he was basically saying, and, and Ian as well, saying when you look at light you have to see how it moves around the room. So doing a lot of, you know, Doing a lot of life studies can be really important. Yeah. You know, you're looking at how, if you go to well, Roger Key's class, he says, look at the tones. Yeah. So if you use those sorts of classes, anything like that where the, f the focus is on trying to understand how light moves around a space, bounces off things, reflects, um, that, that comes in very handy there. I mean, this one is a bit more stylized, yeah. but even there, but sort of, the, we, we, yeah. you choose a light source. You say, the light's coming from this direction, and you, you, you draw everything based on, on that. But you seem to be using Yeah, but a computer program won't, mm -hmm. unless it's a 3D modelling program, it won't do the light for yeah. you. So do you use yeah. um, Catalyst? Or yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. One thing we do want to say about computer programs is occasionally people have this view of you know, the computers can do everything for you, but uh, usually they can't. And uh, even where there may be an option, where the computer can do it for you, it's best to avoid that option because it will, um, first of all, it takes a bit of 
control and expression away from you. And secondly, um, if you use it, if a whole bunch of people are using the same feature, all of a sudden all their images start looking the same. You know, so, oh, they just used that fancy filter there. All right, okay. Did you find it hard when you first started out with tablets? Yep, yep. Because it's basically the big thing that, that got me when I started using tablets is the disconnect. Because yeah. you're looking that way, but you're doing this. And of course, as we know, most of the time, when I'm drawing it with a pencil anyway, I'm looking down at the image while I'm doing it. You know. Also, do you find that you can be more like pointed if you're doing it by hand? No, now that I've got to the point where I've got a lot of control with what I'm doing with the tablet now, so I can be very detailed and fine and precise. Yeah. But it was just a matter of practice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would only recommend doing digital stuff if you want to do commercial work because the advantage of a digital thing if you're doing commercial work is when the client says, nice picture, but, and they want something changed. It's easy. Um, if, you, if you're working in traditional media, depending on the media, sometimes it's very easy to change. If it's acrylic paint, for example, it's easy enough to change. paint over the top of it. If it's oil, you have to let it dry, but you can still paint over the top of it. Watercolour, you're water screwed. You, you generally, very hard to change watercolours, mm. for yeah. example. Particularly if they're wanting nice subtle washes and stuff. You have yeah. to I, mean, I, don't know how, do I don't know how oil pastels work in that regard, whether you can go yeah. over the top. You know, well, I suppose that. a pastel is one of those mediums which can be quite fast and quick too. Yeah. So yeah. It's quite fascinating going back through all the children's book illustrations from like 50s and yeah. 70s and how much, like you said, you know, watercolour and, and pastel and charcoal was used. Yeah. I mean, some illustrations are tight, yeah. some are refined, and some are loose. And some of it's yeah. loose and very yeah. speedy. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what I know the when we talked to Wendy Masters when she started off with illustration and then she moved to fine art. The reason she moved to fine art is because she was getting sick and tired of having to redo a watercolour image. So even though it was quite Sorry, fast for her to do them, mm. when a client said, oh, can you shift this cat yeah. slightly here? She had to do the whole thing again, sure. and then shift the cat, and the client <laughs> was... Um, well, no, she was, she was doing yeah. illustration, Wendy Masters was doing illustration back in the um, sort of oh, yeah. 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, she's sort of one of New Zealand's, I suppose, top watercolour artists now. So, yeah. But um, she basically... Uh, photocopiers, I think, were only just sort of coming in, but they, they, back then they, they weren't colour photocopiers. They are all black and white, so yeah. she, she couldn't... Just um, yeah, use a photocopy to talk. Well, it depends on the quality of the photocopier. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, you you can chop and change, but sometimes, especially if you're using washes of colour, if you move something, cutting it out, you know, especially in photocopiers now, really high resolution, you can see you'll see the cut. Cut because they're so they're that yeah. damn good. There are that yeah. those sorts of issues. Sorry. So yeah. you mentioned something very interesting before, you know, like working for someone or making yeah. art to then try and sell it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting for an artist, I think, you know, where do you lie? Do you want to want yeah. to do your own personal expression and find yeah. something that, you know, assists well, that? Yeah. Or work I mean, as freelancers? Okay. Well, I mean, I guess the thing about fine art and commercial art is they're on a continuum anyway, because, I mean, even if you're doing your own stuff, um, you know, as, as they say here at the TLC, you know, you, you got feedback, and often the feedback's from the audience. And if everyone's saying, no, nah, I don't like it, then you might change it to, you know. So there's, there's, you're, you're never quite, in a sense, 
There are very few people who are sort of lucky to do whatever the hell they like and people say, love it, mm. buy it, you know. So there's always feedback anyway. It's just that as you go closer towards commercial art, the client has more and more say mm. over what you do. I would like to do my own thing, but um, part of it's just, um, I suppose, uh, sometimes I like to work at someone else's brief as well, just because it's a challenge. Yeah. You know, um, I like to do both. Really. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys, um, I was just wondering, when you like failed your PhDs, yeah. did you think it was the end of the world? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know if it's the best thing, but certainly, I suppose if I'd succeeded, I wouldn't go back to art. You know, so in that sense, it's worked out very nicely. And of course, everything we did in philosophy has actually helped us with our illustrations. So certainly with our with educational illustration, um, it's been of immense use, all the research skills and stuff. So there was actually one element in one of those books where um, you got the you got someone in educational illustration, um, educational books called the text leveler. So they have to basically try and make the text to what they think a reading level of kids are. But uh, the text level at one point actually changed a bit of scientific jargon in such a way that it would actually refer to a completely different thing. So there's gravitational waves and gravity waves. And gravity waves are things like just you see on the sea, those are gravity waves. Or, and gravitational waves is this concept of basically gravity between celestial objects and, and so forth. And they switched it from what was originally gravitational waves, the gravity waves. But because we had to research these things to find out how to illustrate them, we picked up on the error yeah. and said, sorry, you can't do that. And they went, oh, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so, it was, so the philosophy and the research skills actually helped us in that yeah. regard. It did come in handy. Yeah. It's pretty interesting how people come to the learning connection and what they've done before yeah. they got here. Oh, yeah, and yeah. The time here and where they continue. So, yeah. It's awesome to have that insight to, you know, <laughs> yeah, going yeah. on for you guys. And, yeah. and in the future, where do you hope the next few weeks, months, years to be? Um, well, in terms of the immediate future, we've got um, this uh, upcoming job doing backgrounds. Thanks, Corey, for getting yeah. in touch for that. Um, but uh, the next few months, I'm hoping to. Uh, try and get some more portfolio work finished that I can go to people and say, here's some of my work, do you want to hire me? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, freelancing is good on the one hand, but it's very, it's like a roller coaster. You, you have to be prepared for the periods where nothing happens. You know? yeah. and, and so when those, those happen, you have to work on something to try and show clients, this is some stuff I can do. Yeah. Um, so. At least getting a longer-term contract work would be nicer than just sort of... Because, I mean, yeah. again, until the Republican Party in America sorts itself out of what it wants to believe, um, and America gets out of its sort of financial problems, the fine art world is currently it's harder maybe to, to sell stuff as when it was in economically boom times, for example. So. What about China, India, other countries that are maybe booming? Well, they're actually, they're actually competing with us. The problem is because they've got, they've got people who can work as illustrators and designers who can undercut because, of course, they can you know, 
they, you know, for them, they could go at, say, 10 US dollars because US dollars means a lot to them. Whereas for us, we couldn't price ourselves at 10 US dollars an hour or something like that. So they're actually, they could be a source of opportunity, but they're often also a source of serious competition. Sure. So yeah. it could be good to travel and be in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's right. That's, a, that's another possibility. I mean, um, but uh, well, the internet's a great thing, though. You, you yeah. don't actually have to travel anywhere anymore. You can just um, create a website. Well, no, 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 but living costs. Oh, living costs, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. suppose if you found a cheaper yeah. country. But, um, yeah, but... Um, yeah. Yes. 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 Need, uh, more questions for these gentlemen about <laughs> what they do, how they do it. If you do, do any of your contracts come from offshore? Um, no, most of them have actually been from within New Zealand at the moment. Um, I'm wanting yeah. to get more offshore contracts. Yeah, we've got one which is offshore. It's an American... Um, woman who's she's doing basically a bunch of animations and she's wanting to pay for backgrounds. So yeah, but yeah, it's the first major offshore project. The rest of them have been within the country. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. your favourite part of the whole process from you know concept to final art, like getting finished? Uh, well, I've noticed what tends to happen when we work is that. I tend to be more prolific in the conceptual stage, and then Alan tends to um, be better at the finishing off stage, sort of doing the nice finished I enjoy doing nice finished yeah. works. And I, I like it too, but actually Alan's better, seems to be sort of more, more energy and focus in that stage, and I've got more of the energy in the conceptual stage, so. Oh, good yeah. It's a great <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's quite interesting, really. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, um, yeah, photo reference yeah. is actually quite important yeah. for um, when, when you're doing educational illustration. They want everything to accuracy, look yeah. accurate, for, or at least the stylization has to be accurate to some degree. Um, so you have to work from photographic reference. If you if you were illustrating a fictional book, it's much less important. Although yeah. it, it depends on what style you're going for. I mean, yeah. all. Most illustrators will work from some kind of photographic reference. Let's say you're doing a, illustrating a book on, where the character is like, um, say, a New Zealand bird or some kind, like a tui. If you have some photographic reference of a tui, then you can design your character to be much more believable to the kids or, and to the parents that, who will buy the book. Yeah. Whereas if you try and make it all up in your head, it doesn't necessarily Well, work. a nice example actually is when I was designing a cartoon Kia character for, just for myself, I started off with the Kia just with the, you know, sort of stereotypical uh, three toes and then one toe on the back. And then when we looked at photos of Kia and their toes are actually two toes here, two toes in the back. So he's like, oh, all right. And since I did want to actually have it accurate, it completely changed the way the f feet had to be drawn, you know. So, but of course, it all does ultimately depend on what your aim is. So if you're, if you're doing educational illustration, you must be accurate. Um, because actually, uh, an accurate mistake can be very costly, and it can certainly be very embarrassing. So when we were first working with South Pacific Press, they were accounting to us some of the embarrassing problems. Someone um, got a rainbow problems. wrong. Yeah, someone got the colours of the rainbow the wrong way around, one of the pictures. 
and teachers and kids immediately picked up on this, like, wait a minute. The rainbow's wrong. The yes. rainbow's wrong. And another one, actually, some guy, he'd done this awesome picture of this shark, um, this prehistoric shark biting into a whale. And the teeth looked curved. And then this little boy who was really into a shark said, no, those shark teeth should be straight. And he actually went into this big detail about how they should be straightened. So they had to say, oh, no, think of the shark's teeth as biting into the flesh. So it's getting a bit obscured by the flesh. But, but the kid wouldn't buy it. He, he yeah. just, but they're straight, they're straight. So it depends on what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, even if you go work in the film industry, you have to, to some degree, work off reference to, yeah. to get something... Especially if you're designing a prop, because someone's got to go and make it. Yeah. So you have to have some idea of how it's going to work in the real oh, world. Oh, yeah, yeah. We both took part in these, uh, they're called White Cloud World Workshops by uh, one of the Weta guys, uh, Paul Tobin. He's the main organiser, and then he gets some of his other uh, concept designer friends in to help teach. And he was recounting how early on in his tenure, when he designed a piece, he sort of didn't properly um, draw these sort of boring, accurate pictures later on for how the prop should be constructed so that when the prop person made it, it looked quite different from his original concept design. And the director was really angry. He's like, it doesn't look anything like the picture. Well, what the hell's going on? And so, and you know. He's the one who got uh, yelled at, not the prop maker. Yeah, because yeah, um, the prop maker hadn't, you know. Because the prop maker said, well, yeah. I had all these things that I had to try and make it to actually work. So yeah. in that regard, if you're doing any, anything like that, you, you have to work off yeah. the real world. Yeah, if it's going to become a real, a real prop. I mean, obviously, if you're doing your own comic books, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, but or if you do it though some, a lot of people, of course, have a somewhat intuitive understanding of the human body anyway. So often people will start going, he looks a little funny. They might not be able to say why but it will look odd to them. Sometimes it's because they're not understanding foreshortening, but sometimes it's because people do have a pretty good grasp of the human body overall. So they can tell when fingers and hands and limbs aren't really quite matching up the way they should. Yeah. So when you guys are creating something, does the other one kick in and say, oh, I'm not so sure about those shapes? Or we sometimes we do that. Yeah. 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 We usually just start with a splurge. We, we when we first start, we don't necessarily look at pictures. Mm. We just no. draw right. based off here. Yeah. Well, because you, yeah. If, you, if you try and start by looking at the pictures, it doesn't oh, the necessarily always yeah. help you. Mm. You, 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 get, you. You do your initial splurge first, and then you, you start looking at your pictures to make more refined yeah. stuff, to make it look more accurate. Yeah, that often works. Yeah. I mean, I, it depends on me. Sometimes I draw blank, then I have to go look yeah, at reference pictures you go for reference. and do research, and then that helps me. But it depends. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, all, almost all of our educational stuff, starting from photos, is actually essential because you're not making yeah. stuff up too much. Yeah. 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 I mean, where is that one? I, I can just draw whatever I want to <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks thank so you. Much for coming in, guys. Yeah, yeah thank you. Welcome.